Talk about horror in real life and horror in media. Are you ready to get slayed? Hello, 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 and welcome to the inaugural episode of Friday the 13th. I'm here with my co-host, Maddie. Hi, Andrew. How's it going? How's your day? It's going well. You know, it's a beautiful day here in Chicago, and I am super excited to get this podcast up and ready. Yes, we are super excited to bring you a brand new podcast, LGBT people talking about horror in real life, such as politics, pop culture, you know, kind of whatever comes up that week, and then also about horror in movies and cinema and media. And so, once again, I'm Maddie, and I am um, sort of obsessed with politics and LGBT advocacy. Yeah, obsessed is a good word for you. Mm-hmm, I think yeah. so, too. You know, I'm, I'm obsessed with a few things, Zac Efron and hating Mike Pence. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun on this podcast. Perfect. But Andrew over here is an expert in all things horror movies. I wouldn't say expert. I would just say it's been a passion project of my life to really ingest everything. Girl, reclaim your time. (laughs) You take on the word expert. That's what you're going to be doing. So folks, that's what this podcast is going to be all about. Every, Every month we'll come to you with two segments, a segment on horror in real life and a segment on horror in entertainment. And what we do want to preface this episode with is that um, if you stay tuned for the entire episode, we're going to have a special segment at the end where we talk about the tragedy that is the school shooting that happened this week. Um, We realize that this is a special issue that deserves special attention, so we do want to give it its due time, and that will be at the end of the episode if you care to listen. Absolutely, because there's one thing we believe, and that is that life shouldn't be a horror movie. And that's what happened Let's this week. Let's keep it in the movies. Exactly. People. And so we really feel like we need to tackle this today. Um, and we're going to do it. So stick with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great podcast. And we'll be right back with some horror in real life. See you soon. openly gay U.S. Winter Olympian, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty remarkable thing. You were making headlines then. You made further headlines when you spoke out about Vice President Mike Pence. I have a question for you. You alluded that you might do this. When the Olympics are over, would you sit down with Mike Pence and what would you say to him? Um, You know what? I personally don't have anything to say to Mike Pence. 
Welcome back, folks. This is Maddie, and we're going to be talking about horror in real life. And our horror in real life segments are pretty much always going to be about politics, because there is nothing scarier in America right now than uh, what's happening in politics. It's awful. So, Andrew, are you still with us? I'm here. Fantastic. Um, who is your least favorite vice president? Hmm. If I had to... Re- oh, no, it's Mike Pence. Got it. Perfect. I thought you might say John Adams, but mm. you know, that's, that's going kind to be bad. That's kind of like, you know, before my time. A little bit. You know, yeah. His son was actually really cute, though. Oh. John Quincy. I've never seen. Uh, I'll show you a couple photos later. Um, I'm really into I'm really into history with mm-hmm. those guys. Um, so anyways, we're talking about Mike Pence, and we're talking about uh, Mike Pence in context of the Olympics. And the Olympics this year have been really, really interesting. I really hardly ever pay attention to the Winter Olympics. It's really? Just, well... Let's face it, I, I prefer watching swimming. Who doesn't? Oh, I just because... love the Olympics. I love anything Olympic. You can put the, the idea of the Olympics and like how it brings the world together for a peaceful competition. Well, mostly peaceful, let's be honest here, given our track record with the Olympics. But it just really brings the whole world together for a reason other than war, which mm-hmm. is really interesting and really fun for me. And of course, America's representation at the Olympics this year has been very compelling. We have two out gay athletes with us. And I believe this is the first time in the Winter Olympics. Absolutely it is. Adam Rippon is the first American out gay athlete at, at the Winter Olympics. Um, he has become America's sweetheart, as he um, even calls himself, which we're totally fine with. Because I Are believe we? it. I am. And of course, Gus Kenworthy, who is a fantastic skier. Um, and who was uh, who medaled at Sochi in 2014. But uh, if you remember, going back then, in Russia, it's not quite as cool to be gay. And so he was actually too afraid to come out for that Olympics. I know yeah. you're really into Gus, Andrew. Yeah, I just I I really like what he's done with this platform. I really like that he's like been very outspoken um, and kind of like living his true life. You know, it just it's really inspiring to see an athlete on a stage such as the Olympics. And not afraid to kind of like speak his truth. Well, yeah, and I, I think I think that's great because they've both been living their true lives. Yes, and th- and that that's really been one of the hallmarks of of Adam is that he he's he's really very adeptly learned how to use this time that he has. Yeah. It's very precious time he's that he has. He's definitely going to find a Dustin Lance Black out of this. Oh my god, entirely. And his name is Maddie, and I'm right here. So I'm, I'm all for it. I don't know, it. Sally Field's son is coming after listen, him. Listen, listen, Norma Ray, you're not getting close <laughs> to Adam, and neither is your son. So Adam, if you're listening to this, the, the, the engagement offer still stands. We're ready for it. I'm ready for you. Um, but Adam has been living his very authentic self. Not only is he an amazing skater at 28 years old, which is amazingly old for skaters right yeah. now. He has worked Right. And he has worked his ass off. If you've been following the story... Literally the biggest ass. And also the cutest <laughs> ass. Um, and, you know, the, like, like I said, his, his ass, it's shaped like a C, and no, C is the first letter in the word champion. No. So, Every butt is shaped like a C. Come on. Well, but his is shaped more, and so that, that's, that's why I love him. <laughs> I just think he has, like, the weirdest shaped butt. I understand that it looks maybe looks great in spandex, but, like, it literally looks like he has a butt on top of his butt. You know what, too? Speaking about butts, just to talk a little bit about, about Gus Kenworthy. <laughs> if you are not following Gus Kenworthy on Twitter... Y'all need to get on it. Yeah. And you know what? Just There's a lot of tweets you got to read. You don't even have to do that. Just go to his little Twitter page and click on media so you can see all the pictures. This boy loves to post photos of his ass 
all the time. I also really loved his Head and Shoulders commercial. Mm. <laughs> For some yeah. reason, I just love that ad. I love that Head and Shoulders, actually, you know, a national brand that sells all across the U.S., has a rainbow flag and someone flying it high, and that just is awesome and really says something about where we're going. And what you really say right now is that you like Head and Shoulders to be one of our sponsors. Yes, absolutely. Head and Shoulders, if you're out there, we're here. And we're using you because... Dandruff just gets worse as you get older. Anyways, Gus Kenworthy, very good looking, and also, of course, an extremely talented athlete and, and, and skier, pardon me. Um, and we're very proud of both of them. This Games has been really interesting because they have, um, they've come up against some some political um, some well, political let's just chaff. say they've, like, stirred the pot. Well, of course they've stirred the pot. And it, it all started when a reporter was asking Adam Rippon if he would be comfortable meeting Mike Pence. And Adam very flatly stated, absolutely not, that he was not going to use his time to meet with somebody who actually advocated for gay conversion therapy. Now, Maddie, I know that you grew up in Indiana. I did. And so we know that he was the governor, correct? He was the governor, Um, unfortunately. Can you you talk a little bit about um, your experience with Mike Pence being the governor of Indiana? Sure. So, uh, like Andrew said, I, I, I was born in Indiana. Um, I grew up in Indiana. I went to school in Indiana. I went to university in Indiana. And I moved to Chicago later on. Um, and, you know, I mostly moved to Chicago because Indiana is not exactly a place where it's um, it's a comfortable life for an LGBT person. You don't say. Yeah, it's not at all. Um, there are some really great pockets of Indiana where I went to school at Indiana University in Bloomington. I would even say Indianapolis is pretty And Indianapolis. Yeah. And actually even even parts of northwest Indiana where sure. I grew up. Uh, of course, because kind it's, of like it's so close. Kind of like where it starts to bleed into like, right. Chicagoland. Exactly. There's, there's a lot of places that are little nice liberal pockets and little bubbles of, of liberalism that are a lot of fun to be a part of. But in general, Indiana is a big rural state. And I do believe, like, Indiana was the had the first thing about, like, the gay baker. Like, I want bake cakes for gays. They I did. That's, like, where it started. Yeah, right? and we're, we're going to pull up that. We're, we're going to pull that up later on okay. in, in this discussion. Um, but uh, Mike Pence, uh, of course, was governor. He is now, of course, our, our vice president. But when he was governor of Indiana, he signed a bill called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. We call it RIFRA. RIFRA was uh, especially terrible because it codified into law... Um, that uh, businesses could discriminate against anybody on a number of on a, on a number of levels. Yeah. Um, in this case, based also on sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, a lot of people in America don't understand really that uh, in a majority of the country, LGBT people can be turned away from public accommodations. And public accommodations that means places like restaurants or hotels. movie theaters, hotels. Yeah. Anywhere that is a public business, basically. Uh, people, uh, we, we, so we can be turned away because of our sexual orientation or our gender identity. We can also uh, be denied employment or we can be fired from our jobs. And we can also be denied housing. And so uh, what RIFRA did was allow people to use their religion and their religious beliefs as a basis for such discrimination. When this happened, not just Indiana, not just the country, the world went nuts about this. Mm-hmm. So back in I 20, remember. Oh, yeah, back in 2015. Um, and it was it was uh, it was very embarrassing for Indiana. Um, it didn't make the state look very good, and because and they lost a lot of business. Oh, of the that. state lost a ton yeah. of business, and this is not a state where losing business is really um, okay. I mean, that's their. They don't have anything else to rest their. Like, no, there's on. there's there's no more industry. You know, right. in, in in Northwest Indiana, the steel industry still rules, which is you know great for for Northwest Indiana. But in the rest of the state, there's not much industry to be had. Right. So when you're in Indianapolis, one of the biggest industries is tourism. Right. And conferences. 
The state lost over 20 conferences a year after RIFRA, and they also lost over $60 million. Oh, that's that's crazy. huge. Yeah. That's big revenue. And that's not just a number. That's people's jobs. Yeah, that's people's that's, lives. That's people's yeah. lives. And I do want to like I do want to like have a little caveat here because I want to make sure that people are not we're not we do not discriminate on religion. We definitely just want to put it out there that religion is being used as a weapon. Sure. Um, that we're not saying that religious people are are doing this all the time. No, I mean we're just saying in this instance. Right, right. And, because like Maddie, you you are a very religious person. Attends church almost every Sunday. Like. Myself, not so much, but sure, to know to each their sure. own, and I appreciate each and everyone's beliefs. Right. And just don't use that against people. That's not fair. And unfortunately, somebody like Mike Pence uses his religion constantly to discriminate against people. Right. He's done it over and over again. Um, I mean, he used it against women, absolutely. against gay people. I mean, he... He himself, what was that about where he said that he's not even allowed to be in, in a room alone with a woman? He's a very strange man. That That is one of his, that, and he's said it plainly, that that, that is one of his religious So you're beliefs. telling me that you can't have a meeting with a, a female co-worker or a female, um, I don't know, anybody, a judge, uh, a fellow governor. Sure. Um, you can't be in the same room with that woman if you guys are alone. I mean, yeah, he's he's he's, he's an absolutely ridiculous man and a ridiculous politician. He he's he's not just anti-LGBT. He's also anti. He's, he's even anti-veteran when it comes to yeah. when it comes to LGBT people. It sounds he, like he's just anti-people. I mean, he really is. I mean, he he even said before, and this is a quote: "There's no question to mainstream homosexuality within active duty military would have an impact on unit cohesion, would have an impact on recruitment, and an impact on readiness." He is literally saying that LGBT people who have fought for this country, who have laid down their lives, that, that they are not worthy enough right. to be soldiers. They're, me, they're not, they're not worthy enough to die for this country. Let me tell you something. I guarantee all of the people in my family, all the people I guarantee in your family that have served in the military, if you ask them, someone was by your side and stuck up with you, stuck up for you and saved your life, do you really think they're really going to give a shit about what or sexual orientation they are? Precisely. Like, come on. And so back back to the Olympics. It's absolutely ridiculous that that um, that, that that conservatives have been attacking have been attacking Adam Rippon and have been and have been attacking Gus Kenworthy over and over and over again because they refuse to meet with Mike Pence. Right. There is no reason why these two uh, amazingly talented and hardworking Americans have any uh, duty to meet with this man right. who has been so awful to, to their community for so long. I mean, Mike Pence is absolutely the most virulent. Uh, virulently anti-LGBT politician that we've had in years. And he like, was the worst governor of Indiana and by far the most anti-gay. I will say, I was always brought up, like, respect your elders, like, that kind of, you know, that mentality. But at a certain point, once someone comes after your life for so long, I'm sorry, you don't, you have to then earn back my respect Precisely. before I will give it to you. Precisely, and he has not done that yet. Uh, the Trump administration, of which he is a part, has definitely not done that. The Trump administration it keeps showing itself to be anti-LGBT over and over and over again. In fact, right after uh, the inauguration mm-hmm. in January of 2017, the, one of their first acts 
was to take the phrase, the acronym LGBT, and folks, if you don't know what that means, that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, you can add Q on the end for queer. They went through every single website for the government and took that acronym up. Right. One of their first priorities, right after getting inaugurated, wasn't fixing the economy, wasn't working on gun violence, wasn't working on ending the multiple wars that we're in. Their first priority was to get rid of LGBT erase on all of our websites. From the books. And to erase it from the books. And not just to erase it, but to erase us. Right. And that's been their, their MO this entire time, over and over and over again. We see it. Uh, you know, for example, too, Do- Donald Trump, our illustrious dear leader, one of one of his for one of his uh, very important acts last year was to get rid of the entire HIV uh, council uh, members at the White House. Yeah, uh, to to get rid of them all. And and the thing is, you know, every, every president did do that um, since, since Bush. But that's not the point. At least when Obama replaced Bush's uh, appointees to that council, we knew that who who President Obama was going to put into those roles that they were actually going to do something. Mm-hmm. What we do know about, about Donald Trump is that he's extremely ineffectual, that he has no idea what he's really doing, and that the people the people that he puts into positions like that, they don't know what they're doing either. Right. And so, you know, we, we are we are in a, uh, a very strange space right now when it comes to HIV, when it comes to drug use, and when well, it comes we're, to... we're on, like, the forefront of so many things. Precisely. And it's, it's a changing time, and it's a changing topic. Exactly. And so, you know, HIV is something that the spread of HIV is something that you can't, you, you can't let your guard down. Right. We worked so hard for so long as a community and as a country to get this disease under control. Yeah. And, and to get rid of an entire council of people who are experts on the issue and who have been working for their entire lives... To, to, to make a serious and an important impact in HIV AIDS, to get rid of them all is just shameful. Yeah. Absolutely shameful. And let's, okay, let's go back to the Olympics. Sure. Because that's, that's what I'm really here for. Yeah. Um, so do you remember, I don't know if you, did you watch the opening ceremony? I did watch the opening ceremony. What kind of side eye was Kim Jong-un's sister giving Mike Pence at that Inauguration. Inaugural. It was absolutely amazing. And that's the thing, too. You know, just at the beginning of the segment, you were talking about how the Olympics is so much fun. Yeah. Because it brings the entire world together. Right. So here is a great moment where this where this this could have been a seminal moment for for, for Mike Pence. He could have done something entirely new and different. And and he could have he could have made a serious impact on peace with right. North Korea. He had I mean, how, the sister, how hard is it for you to just Shake the hand of the person behind you. Stand up when their country comes through. You know, this is a big time for Korea right now. This is the first time that, you know, in a while that their teams have come together to really form one. And no matter what you think about South or North Korea, you know, that says something for at least they're taking steps in the right direction. Um, Of course, we're under the threat of any sort of, you know, war from North Korea. Um, but at least they came together for this purpose. And that's my that's kind of my point, is the unification that the Olympics brings to the world. And I wish that we could harness that energy and really make it, like, make a difference. Exactly. And if North and South Korea can come together on something... Right. And we can't, good Lord, what is going on with us? And so, yeah, he, that, that he couldn't even acknowledge uh, Kim Jong-un's sister... Right. ...is just, it's it's... It's unfortunate and it's a shame. Yeah. And not only that, that he couldn't that he couldn't acknowledge her, but that during the, the Korean anthems he wouldn't stand. Right now, what does that sound like? Oh, it sounds like a bunch of conservatives that are always mad <laughs> at athletes, mostly black athletes, that don't that that, that take a knee at sports games um, for for the anthem. 
and it, it's it's such hypocrisy. It's such a double standard. Yeah, it's so ass backwards. Oh, it's it's entirely ass backwards. But that is the hallmark of the Trump administration. Right. It's the hallmark of Mike Pence. And I'm telling you, we can do this, but don't you do it? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and that's just the thing too is when it, when it comes to Mike Pence. I mean, we're, we're, we talk about horror in this podcast. When it comes to horror, you, everyone should be absolutely terrified of Mike Pence. He is a slimy and smart politician, and I guarantee you he is angling his way every which way that he can to get into that seat that Donald Trump now occupies. Mm-hmm. And God help us if he ever gets it. Yeah, because I really do feel like that he has the power to really get the things done, and the support to get Without things done, whereas Donald Trump um, has been so outspoken that even some of his closest allies have distanced themselves from Oh my him. god, yes. Donald Trump is in so many ways just a total puppet. Yeah. Mike Pence has been in politics for decades. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing, and he's terrifying. And there's a, there's, there's a, a good TV series on, on, on Hulu... Uh, not build as horror, but good lord, The Handmaid's Tale would, would become a reality. And yeah. that would be absolutely terrifying. And so I want to talk now about a couple of the quotes that we have from, from Gus Kenworthy. Um, and, and Gus is definitely your boy, Andrew. Yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what he said when it came to, uh, to how he had to compete in yesterday's events. Yeah, so I guess just yesterday, um, Gus Kenworthy finally got the chance to compete on this slope-style event. Um, unfortunately, before that, um, he had a tragic accident where he broke his thumb. And, um, you know, he said, no matter what, you know, I'm going to compete with this broken thumb. But you know what? Now I have an excuse not to shake Mike Pence's hand. Thank God. So I want to just, like, take a moment to read a little Twitter that he, uh, what what do you call it? Tweet? It's a tweet. Yeah. And once again, if you're not following Gus Kenworthy on Twitter, you have to do it. Uh, it reads, broke my thumb yesterday in practice. It won't stop me from competing, obvi, but it does prevent me from shaking my Pence's hand, so silver linings. We'll be giving my teammates and literally everyone else an enthusiastic thumbs up of encouragement the rest of the trip. Gus, God, we love you so much. Yeah. And uh, did you see his boyfriend? His boyfriend is real cute. Yeah. His boyfriend is also total daddy. Yeah. Like, total daddy. Yeah. How, how old is his boyfriend? I don't know. Well, wait, so Gus is 26. We know that. Adam is 28. Right. I think... Even, even though Adam looks like 18. I know, seriously. <laughs> um, and and Gus's, Gus's boyfriend, he's got to be... I don't know. Like, he's definitely daddy status. Yeah. He's at least 40-something. And what a touching moment that NBC actually mm. televised... The kiss before his inaugural run. Oh yeah, and get ready because if you haven't seen that 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 kiss yet, we're gonna post it on our Facebook page. So go have a look right away after you listen to this because it is so sweet and so cute. I mean, it really like and so sexy. You know what it really reminded me of Please. is do you remember back in the day when Will and Grace actually like did their episode where they oh kissed God, on the yes. Today Show or what? What and was like the Today Show, right? Think back right now, like that that was a big deal back then. Yeah, like it's just amazing. Well, just like the things that have happened in our right, lives. It, I mean, the days gave, of our lives. It gave hope to, you know, kids like me. I think I was probably in either... I was probably in high school at the time when that uh, Will and Grace episode aired. Mm-hmm. Not out. Going to a school of maybe 300 people. So very in the closet. Oh, and yeah. just to, like, see that sort of thing be on TV, be on a show that I watch regularly with my parents, mm-hmm. was just, like, such a crazy, eye-opening, and inspiring moment that really, like, helped encourage... Like, getting me to where I am today. Amen. And so, inspiring, 
Courage, those are two words that I think Gus and Adam totally personify. Definitely. And and I think that, as, you know, especially, I, you know, they, they've both been really outspoken. I think Adam's had a chance to talk a lot more. Well, yeah, and, and he competed in the team event, and exactly. the team took bronze, so that that, that catapulted him to Absolutely. a level where he was able to get a little more time on camera. For sure. Being able to be in front of the media. Yeah, and, you know, there, there was actually there was a great article in Vanity Fair last week. We're going to post that on the Facebook page, too. Um, there was a great article in Vanity Fair talking about how the author was talking about how he really wishes he had had an Adam Rippon to watch sure. when he was a fourteen. I understand that. And when and when he was going through all these feelings and didn't know what to do, and to see somebody out on the ice who was so unabashed and so gay, he's so yeah. gay. He was not afraid to let his freak flag fly. And absolutely proud of it. Yeah. That's the important thing here is that he is going to inspire a whole new generation of Definitely. kids to be okay with themselves, mm-hmm. and that's that's huge. And, and he even said this, and I want to close with this on this segment. Sure. Adam said, I spoke out because there are people out there whose lives have been affected by change that he's tried to make. He's talking about Mike Pence. And he said, I spoke out for them because right now I have a voice, and I think it's really important for me to use it. And that's a conversation for them. Oh, so good. It's so good. So Adam and Gus, we absolutely love you. Mike Pence, we're always going to hate you. <laughs> And that's where we are. Go Team USA. Go Team USA. We hope we get all the gold medals. Adam and Gus, you get all of our gold medals, please. You have the gold medal in our hearts. All the time. So I think that's where we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with our next segment. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Right, and welcome back to Friday the 13th. Now we're going to talk about a little horror in media. Uh, so the way we want to start today is that we think that we want to like talk about a couple movies that we think are really going to slay this year. Maddie, uh, do you have any movies that you just think are going to slay the competition this year? Oh, you bet I do. I am super, super duper excited about a movie coming out called Hereditary. Hereditary is already being billed as this generation's The Exorcist, which, by the way, is my favorite horror film of all time. It still freaks me out to this day. I grew up Catholic. We believed in possession and all that fucking shit. And my mom would not let us have that movie in the house. Like, she actually believed, like, a demon will, will, like, follow the DVD into your DVD player. It will get into your DVD player. It will get into your TV. And then it will possess you. So <laughs> we are very excited for Hereditary. You need to check out this Who's trailer if you haven't watched it yet. Uh, it stars Tony Collette. Ooh, love Tony Collette. And Gabriel Byrne is in it, who is in so many great films. Tony Collette, of course, uh, is is sort of like a horror genius when it comes down to it. She was so so good, of course, in everyone's classic film, uh, The Sixth Sense. She's mm. just a wonderful actress in everything that she does. We love her so much. You really have to watch this trailer. Um, we'll what, post it on the Facebook. Oh yeah, we'll put it down. From what we can tell about the story so far, it's about a mother, a very, very mysterious old mother who dies, and um, and her, it like seems like she has like a, like a secret life oh, that she was leaving. A leaving. big secret life, yeah. like a big secret like like, sa- like, like satanic yeah. cult worship sort of thing going on, and it affects the entire family from. Uh, Tony Collette, who seems to be the, the mother, of course, Gabriel Byrne, who's the father, and then the, 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 uh, the two children. One of the children is a little girl who uh, looks very distinctive. I think it's going to haunt people this yeah. year. Um, and, and that part with the bird? A, the, oh. a, a bird hits the school window, and a little girl goes outside and cuts the head off a bird with scissors. Like, with, like, school scissors. It's a lot. 
So, uh, you know, kids are creepy. Um, that's why we don't have them. We love <laughs> we love other people's kids. I just want to point that out. But good lord, kids really do. Freak I mean, me out think sometimes. about some of the classic movies that have kids like that are just like, like The Exorcist, for yeah. example. The Omen. Oh my god, yes. Um, Village of the Damned. Yes. Like there are just so many times where, like, for some reason, the innocence of a child really get like when they go evil. That's so much scarier. It's terrifying. So yeah, we are excited for Hereditary. It comes out June eighth. That's way too long, but it's going to make uh, the summer kick off in a really scary way, so we're looking forward to that one. Definitely. What are you looking forward to? So, my first pick is definitely The Strangers Pray at Night. Mm-hmm. So, as far as we can tell, this is a continuation of the murder spree of the three masked killers. Um, we don't really know what the story is of the family. All we know is that they're at a trailer park on some sort of vacation. Nobody else is there. The family of four is then stalked by the strangers um it looks super fun so it, um, it also in the franchise what number is this just two now? it's okay, just the just second two, one okay um i think the last one came out like 2006 yeah it's been a while yeah. so it's been a good you know decade since the last one but the whole thing that was like so scary about the strangers and i hope what they don't ruin with this one is that the strangers just pick their victim at, at random there was no reason why Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman were chosen in the first movie to be. I mean, what is stopped. what is Liv's what is the, the famous line from the first one that Liv Taylor like? She asked the question. She's like, "Why are you doing this?" And because they just say, you were home. That's it. Because you were home. Like, and I, I think like especially like for people who like live alone, which is like a lot of us in the yeah. city. You know, like w- watching that first film was terrifying. Yeah. Because you know that like that's it's actually not that far off from real life. Like well, this could happen. To I mean, you. I grew up in a very rural area. We didn't have neighbors for miles. Exactly. So something like that could have easily happened, and nobody would have known for days. God, so oh. there is something like very creepy about that, and I will tell you. The use of the Tiffany song in the preview. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so good. It is so, so good. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that. I think it comes out, what, March March 9th. 9th. So March only 9th. a couple weeks away. So we'll definitely be covering that. Oh, I without a doubt. I actually think we should just do a retro. I think we should do the original Strangers, the new one, and we'll just call it a day. Folks who love the Strangers, get ready, because we are going to be doing that in future episodes. Get ready. Yeah. You have one more movie on the list, too, and this one is one that I'm also really excited about. It looks absolutely terrifying and the movie that we're talking about is a quiet place um super excited about this it's a uh, john krasinski from office fame and um emily blunt from just emily blunt from fame. everything yeah. <laughs> um and um, from what we can tell it's some sort of post-apocalyptic world uh where there's these um i'm gonna say monsters it's not confirmed but we yet. don't know um but they basically hunt by sound um so, and it's about this family that is, like, kind of just living with the reality of not being able to talk, not being able to make sound. They, not, not being able to walk, not yeah, being able to, like, tell, eat. It, it's insane. From what we can tell in the preview, they're putting down sand so that their footsteps don't make noises. You know, they are sign-languaging to each other. Sign, sign-languaging, signing it's to okay. each other. You know, it's, you know, <laughs> um, you know, every, everyone's hungover today. Yeah. It's okay. Um, so, it, it just looks really cool, and I can't wait to figure out, like, this how it's going to play in theaters because it's really the whole movie is just silent right from what we can tell there's no running soundtrack and and i really do love about monster movies the anticipation of figuring out how they're going to reveal the monster we're going to talk about that in a little bit exactly so uh yeah it looks absolutely terrifying if you have not watched these trailers yet don't worry we're going to post them on the facebook page so you can go watch them right away 
and so that you can schedule them in your calendar for when they come out because these are three really great picks to look forward to. And I think we just have one last one that we just want to mention. There Please. hasn't been a preview yet, but I think it kind of goes along with our theme on this podcast. Um, and that's the working title, The Purge 4, or The Purge Island. I've heard it referred to as a couple different things. Um, no preview yet, uh, but it comes out July 4th, fittingly. And what's so cool about the poster that they've released for this so far? Uh, it's pretty simple. There's just one red hat, and that's it. And what does that red hat say? It doesn't say Make America Great Again, but it looks just like the hat that Donald Trump wears. And it says The First Purge. So we're going prequel territory This is here. a prequel. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's also going to be probably pretty terrifying and a mirror into our own Ugh, world right now. Gosh. Um, there is like a little teaser on YouTube if you want to look it up. It doesn't give away too much about the movie. We don't really know what the premise is yet, but we thought we'd just mention it and keep it on our radar just because it goes along with our themes so well. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I think we're going to take just a little break and we're going to come back with our featured review, which is The Ritual. So we'll see you in just a minute. So we're going to talk about it then or not? It was a nightmare, Phil. Well, what happened to you then? We got spooked and we had bad dreams, all right? Look, look at this. Nothing has done that to you. You've done it to yourself. Why do you have to deny everything? Like because I do not value your judgment. We need to be working together, man. Back to Friday the 13th, and we're ready to begin our next segment, which is Horror in Media. We're really excited. This is our first inaugural episode, as you know, and we're taking on the Netflix original, The Ritual. Yes, The Ritual. Um, came out on Netflix a couple weeks ago, and it's been kind of like taking the world by storm a little bit. I see people watching it and reviewing it all over the place. Um, what I do want to open with on this segment is that this will be a spoiler review. We are going to spoil this movie, so if you do not want or have not watched The Ritual yet, why don't you just go ahead and just press pause. It's not very long. It's like it's like 90 minutes. Yeah, I think so it comes like, in at literally 94 minutes. Yeah, so you have the time. You can do it right now. Press stop, go watch it, and come right back to us. Yeah. So um, kind of the basis of this movie is we open on these five guys out for a, uh, a guy's night. Um, in the, the UK. In the Yeah, it is a, it is a UK. Um, I think it was filmed in Romania. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but it takes place in Sweden for the most part. It's these five guys are off for a guy's night, and they the two guys decide they're going to go into a liquor store and basically get one more bottle to take home, you know, continue the fun. Always a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> we support this cause. No. <laughs> um, but anyway, they go in, and little do they know that there's a robbery happening. Um, the one guy gets caught up in the robbery. The other guy hides. Um, he, the uh, one guy gets brutally slaughtered, while the other guy is just like, crippled by fear and can't do anything about it and then you know we cut to about a year later six months later i think i think it's six months i think it's six months um there or they are basically going on this hiking trip in sweden to honor their friend it was kind of like his idea before he died that they should do this big old hike to this lodge up in the hills of sweden um and they want to do this now to kind of honor his life um and basically like close a chapter i guess Mm -hmm. um and then you know things happen they end up wanting to take a shortcut through the woods little do they know these woods are not your average woods the hills are alive with the sound of murder baby it's it's rotten out there and this is like not like this is not like friendly sweden with like wooden shoes and like little like potato pancakes kind of thing or like little Swedish pancakes or whatever they you don't try to yeah I know you know what I mean everybody listen it, it's it's not like friendly Sweden these yeah. people are fucking vicious out there and so, they're ready to, to, and, to and, like, get them. and honestly we don't like through the 
I'd say the first three quarters of this movie, we don't know whether it's like a monster, we don't know whether it's like people. You have no idea. We're not really sure. So, um, Maddie, what did you what did you think about this movie? Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a really I, so I had a lot of fun watching it. One thing that I really did appreciate of, and it's really like pretty elementary, is that it was only ninety minutes. Like yeah, I really I appreciated that I could like come home from work. We all have busy weeks, and I could like watch this movie and not like fall asleep because I'm so tired. Dude, I, was... cannot, I cannot stand these movies that just want to be long to be long. Exactly, and like you know, I already have so many shows to keep up with. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for your three hour like fucking take yeah. on like whatever. Like I need ninety minutes. I need to tighten control. Get to the point. <laughs> and honestly, they did a great job with yeah, this. I, I never felt like like the movie was lagging. Never felt like it was slow. Um, I also really enjoyed um, sort of like the the Nordic and Swedish uh, spiritual themes. It was like different. Yeah, you haven't really seen like this kind of a a take on it. No, things. exactly, totally. And like it, it was, it it got into like like ancient Nordic mythology. Yeah, without love being, the runes. Oh I yeah, love totally. That's like so cool. Right, and it, it it did it without being like super overbearing. Also, yeah. like, it was a, it was a fun part of it, but they didn't make you feel like you needed to like learn all of the lore to get yeah. into this. The lore does happen in front Gosh, of you. I will say, like, the first, I'd say, I don't know, like, the first half of this movie was super creepy. Like, you did Entirely. not know what was coming. Well, like, and especially, like, if you're if you're the kind of person, like us, like, I mean, we, we go camping in the, in the summer, and if you like to go camping, like, this is a movie that will freak you out. Because yeah. every time that I go camping, no matter how much I love talking about ghosts or UFOs or monsters or whatever the fuck... Every time that I get in that fucking tent and go to sleep, I am fairly sure I'm going to die that day. <laughs> like, every single time. And so, like, you know, this will definitely play upon that for yeah. you, I think. It definitely has, like, if I had to, like, say what this movie reminded me of, mm-hmm. is I would say it's kind of a mix between Blair Witch, Descent, maybe a little bit of The Wicker Man, mm-hmm. if you pull in some of that stuff at the end. Yeah, totally. Like, that's kind of, like, the energy that it evoked for me. Um, I, I really liked, I really liked the first three quarters of this movie. Oh, but you didn't like the last quarter. I'm not going to say I didn't like it. It just took a turn that I was not expecting. Interesting. And I as the, I, I really did like the creature work. I thought that they did a really nice job of coming up with like an original monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it just kind of fell for me at the end. I don't know. Like I don't know if it was just because such expectations were built through the first three quarters that, like, the ending was just so simple. Like, yeah, it was just, true. like, they're building up all this mythology and all this, like, mystery, and it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's just, like, a cult worshipping this, like, monster on the woods. That's, that's... Which does sort of, like, you know, when I think about, like, creature films like this, yeah. sometimes I do wonder, like, okay, so there's a, there's a creature, and, and, you know, just so that it, you know, it, to remind you, obviously, that they, they, every night that they have, they have to go camp, so they're yeah. all camping in a cluster. And sometimes I think to myself, like, it's a fucking creature, and it's coming to the camp. Why are you taking one of them at a time? Just eat them all. Yeah. Like they're all literally, like they're all right in front of me. It's like it's like me like, like at like a buffet. Like I'm gonna get both like the chicken wings and the ribs. I yeah. want them both. Yeah. So like get the chicken wings and get the ribs all and the just like time. go for it. Like you know what? Yeah, but, have a fucking mashed potato there's soup something, if you want. There's something interesting about this creature though because it plays with like your um like your mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd love to get your take on this because. At first, I thought it was showing them, like, their fears. Yeah. But then, when the guy, the the guy, when the two guys are at the end, and the guy's being sacrificed, he sees his wife. Yeah. So that's not necessarily something he'd be afraid of, but, like, what, 
like what is that does it anything that it just shows you like what you want to see or like what you're most thinking about or like self-reflection reflecting about well, you know it was, it was interesting because throughout throughout the movie when 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 the fear parts would happen yeah when they were seeing their own fears play out in front of them I was wondering, okay, is that actually a power of the creature? Right. Is it a power of the cult, or is it just them? Does this creature just exist? Are they just doing their own things? Or or was it a dream? Or was it whatever? We, we don't really know. It does get played off as a nightmare. Right. The character played by Robert James Collier, Hutch, he calls it a nightmare specifically. Um, so, you know, that's something to think about. I don't know if, if it was actually created but then, by the creature. as a viewer, you know it's not a nightmare because he has physical wounds on Exactly. Him. So it's like, it's not a nightmare. And that's, like, that's kind of the part, and this happens a lot in these kind of movies, where, like, nobody believes, of like, course. what's going on. Right. And I'm just like, you guys, he has physical wounds on him. Why are you not uh, believing this? Like, you all experienced it. Get the fuck out of the woods. And also, just like take a, take a little break from from the uh, from the actual film itself. I want to talk about Robert James Collier really quick as an LGBT uh, perspective here. Robert James Collier, if any of you watched Downton Abbey, which is definitely not a horror series, he played Thomas, who was the gay character. Oh, in the I didn't watch Downton Abbey, so Downton Abbey, one of my favorites. I love it. I think that I was actually born to be rich. Um, so <laughs> weren't show, we all? I, weren't we, Carl? Please. So that was it's a, it's a show that really appeals to me. Um, anyways, it's it's really nice because I think a lot of us in the U.S. don't see Rob James Collier do do a lot. We, yeah. we don't see him in many movies or many series for that matter. So it was really fun to watch him play something entirely different. Sure. This, I mean, it was definitely it's it's a very English film. I mean, these are all English actors. Um, but it was great to see him like not be in Downton Abbey yeah. doing some whatever. I mean, so, he looks pretty good, and he looks great. I mean, he looked great all during Downton Abbey, and he was such a bitch in that show. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he his character Thomas was always the one that was sort of like putting the wedge into everything. Ugh. Such a troublemaker. The, Typical the, gay. Oh, entirely. You know? And you know the the big love story of Downton Abbey was Anna and Bates, and he just always had to get in the middle of it. It's just it was just he was such a shithead. Although. <laughs> In the in the in the in the show, he really did have some really great redemptive moments too. Sure. That made it really fun to be an LGBT person watching Downton Abbey. Sure. So, anyways, it was fun. It's fun to but see in, him in, in this. In this movie, he plays kind of like the sympathetic guy. Oh, like, he, t- he like absolutely. He, is. He's kind of the um, the connecting mm-hmm. of the two worlds. So there's the two guys that kind of blame Luke for the death of Robert. And Luke is the main character. Yeah. But then there's this guy in the middle. What was his name again? Hutch. Hutch. He kind of plays like this guy who's like, you know what? We need to all get along. We need sure. to all like move on from this. And then of course they kill him right away. Right. And, and actually, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny that it's funny that you say, oh, what was that guy's name again? Because that is actually one of the criticisms that I have about the movie is that it is a, it's, it's honestly, it's a little hard to hear what they're saying now and then. Yeah. And I don't mean because they have an English accent. No, I think it's like not, some of the sound mixing. It's just honestly some of yeah. the mixing. Like, you know, for example, when you learn about the creature, when you learn about just like a little bit of the lore behind it, some of the characters mention here and there what that is, but it's really hard to hear and get a little bit of it. Yeah. And, and like I said before, it is nice that it wasn't heavy-handed. I didn't yeah. have to read a book about it. We didn't have like this epic, like dialogue driven basically like, right. just like giving you all the plot absolutely like they, they serve to you a little bit at a time which I can appreciate a little bit at a time but I do wish that we could have heard it a little bit better a little well, I should say a little bit more clearly yeah sure. that, that would make more sense to me I, I tell you what though there were some creepy moments in this movie oh my god like where he wakes up in the middle of the night like I think he's like getting a snack or something and he hears something outside of the tent it's very like Blair Witchy oh yeah and like that's where I was getting a little confused I'm like is this mm. a creature or is this some sort of like 
person? Oh, yeah. Like, what is this? Oh, girl, I was right back in my tent in Wisconsin. Like, when I get up in the middle of the night to have a chip, because by the way, everybody, I love chips. (laughs) And, like, and and, and, and you're you're up awake by yourself, and you're wondering, is it real? And you can hear everything. You can hear absolutely everything. If you're not somebody who goes camping, you got to understand, when you go camping out in the woods, no matter where you are, doesn't matter if, if you're by a city, for God's sake, you hear everything. Yeah. All that protects you from the outside world is like a thin sheet of like, I don't know, nylon, whatever yeah. the fuck it's made out of. But your tent is thin. Like if something wants to get in there, it's getting yeah, in there. Yeah, it's getting you. You, you. you are not safe when you go camping. But right. that's that's also part of the fun of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you do go out there as a vulnerable person. You're not safe. You do have to sort of face the elements in a new way. So it's, it's really... It really plays upon that very well, I think. Yeah, I really did like that moment where the, like the tent just like gets lifted off the ground, and you're like, "Holy mm-hmm. shit!" But it kind of was stolen a little bit from that new Blair Witch film. Same oh, thing happens totally. in that movie. So I don't know if that was just like, I'm, I'm sure it's just. I, I, it is one. Yeah, I think but... I think it's almost like, like it's just like a motif that sort of has to. Yeah. Now. I mean, how, how can you have a tent and have it not get snatched up by some like creepy ass? Right. Monster that's like a it's like a fucking like half tree, half deer. Yeah. I mean, what is this damn thing? I don't know. You know what I mean? I was watching that, I was thinking to myself, this is like an ant from Lord of the Rings. Yes, yeah, you know. But like, like Gandalf came and put a spell on it and made it made it like a fucking deer. Do you know if this creature is like based off of like actual folklore? Or is it something that they just kinda like you know, dibbled and dabbled sure. in different folklore? I, I think it's a little bit of a dibbling and dabbling. Yeah. Because I, I tried to do some specific research on this film precisely. And maybe it's just not out there. Maybe, maybe the filmmakers haven't really talked about it yet on, on precisely what their primary source material is. But all signs point to this being all about Nordic mythology. Sure. And, and I think a little bit about Swedish mythology in, in particular. But basically, Scandinavia shares a lot of the same mythology. Yeah. So it's kind of all together. And so um, we're, when we're looking at runes and things like that, that that's all part of of that mythology. You know, when, when we're going on on this hike with them, and they first start to discover things, the first thing that they see out there are runes carved in the trees. Sure. The first rune that they see, I forget the name of it right now, but it's it's basically the O in, in the Futhark. The Futhark is the is the runic alphabet. That O means property. Ooh, we do know that. I did not know that. Yeah. So, so is that kind of like, don't step in here, this is my property. Sure. Well, and it's interesting to think about because let, let's sort of jump down to that last quarter, well, the last half of the movie, where we meet the other humans that are out there. Right, there's like a, it's almost like a cult that's it's like, like worshipping. And so, what, what we learn about these people is that um, not only are they um, in in league in legion with this with this yeah creature, they sacrifice people they to sacrifice it. people yeah. to it but they also reveal that they have abnormally long lives mm-hmm. so there's some sort of like eternal life thing going yeah. on here too that we don't that we don't like get give, a full right it's like basically like if you continue to do this for me you're gonna continue to live and what's really interesting though is like would you really want to live that life eternally I mean they're out in the middle of the woods with like no electricity there's some sort of witch there and it. I don't know if I would necessarily want eternal life if that's no going to be my life. No one looks very happy. I know. They're all haggard. And... Yeah, everyone looks... Everyone, okay, number one, everyone looks tired. That's number one. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely they had been... a casting call for, like, the biggest bags under your well, eyes. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> and it also looks like, too, like, not only are they, like, they're, like, stuck worshipping this damn, like, tree deer all See, day. that was my question. Like, are they stuck there doing this? Or are they doing this on their own, like, behalf? That's a really great question. You know, the, looking at the... Um, Looking at the uh, at the other part, like later on, when um, when when the whole house gets burned down. Yeah, and by the way, the very end. remember, folks, we're we're assuming that you've actually watched this right now. When, when we're looking at the very end, when the house burns down, and he goes upstairs and he sees all those like dead bodies, like yeah, up what there is in that? Pews, I have no idea. I didn't know if that was like 
Like, was that, like, the dead body that represented the live person outside? Is I was that, like, wondering that, that. Like, is there, like, a continuity between... The connection? Yeah. Is it, like, is that their physical body and this is them, like, in their eternal state? I think it very well could be. Yeah, they I mean, don't... That's what I will say, like, the But end then of they this... also... They didn't die when he did that, though. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the end of this movie, just, like... I feel like they built so much up to, like, this fantastic ending. And then they kind of just, like, all right, and we burnt it all down. Done. Yeah, I agree. And then and then he literally walks off into the sunset. Right. Which, honestly, I, I, I gotta tell you. Like, you can't outrun this monster for the entire yeah. movie, but he can do it in, like, on ten minutes. Yeah, and I, you know, I, like I said, I did enjoy the movie. I gotta tell you, the ending really, I Like, that's how you, you just stop, you stop the monster by yelling yeah. at it? Yeah, and, and, like, like, and, like, watching him walk off into right. the hills, into the fucking sunset, like, Girl, and like you know, the other part that was keep like, your strudel. I, I'm not, I'm not buying that. The other part that I thought they were gonna try to like redeem the character was with um the guy who has the wife. Um, yeah. So they basically sacrifice him, and you think this entire time that he's gonna kind of like be a redeemable character, like because they're setting him up to like be this kind of pain in the ass, like he's blaming him for everything. Um, everything is his fault, and then like you're like, you think they're gonna do something with him. You think yeah. he's going to get away. You think he's going to be able to go back to his wife. But, nope, we're just going to kill him. No, he's just dead. Yeah. And I guess that, that, that's 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 my other large criticism of the film, too, is in the end... What's the point? Nothing really happens. Yeah, like, what's the point? It, it's, it's a journey through guilt for this one person, but I don't... I gotta tell you, I don't really understand why I care about this one person and so is much. And is he absolved of this guilt now? I, I mean, it's it seems like he absolves himself. It's Or I shouldn't say absolved. Maybe what he's doing really is he finally has the strength to walk away. Like, okay, I, I get that theme, but like, I don't, I don't necessarily really care about it. No, it just there's something about the end that just seemed really quick, ham-fisted, not what I wanted. I agree with you. What I want to talk about one one interesting thing, and that's when um, uh, when Luke and the other guy that I can't remember right now, I believe his name is Dom. It is Dom. When Luke and Dom are captured by the people, yeah. when, when they're in shackles, when they're in chains, this is when we start to learn about. What their religion is, mm-hmm. and and what and and what they're doing. You're talking about the cult. Yes, yeah. the cult. And so and and so there is there's one woman there that speaks English. I don't know how, but she does. And you're so about the woman that kind of like takes pity on him. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Right, but but she's still part of the cult. Right. She's still like, look, your ass is gonna die. Right. And so like you know she she's talking about. No, but don't they offer to like let him into the cult? They Isn't do. that like kind of what yeah. the whole like he's the one? Like, yeah. That's why he has that mark. That's why he chest. got marked. Yeah. And and he even asked, you know, why am I the one? And I. I think they didn't give an answer, answer but that, yeah. if they did it didn't it didn't stick with me obviously yeah. um so what she talks about though she says um our god is ancient um and it sounds like she's saying one of the Utah, something Ooh, like that, I don't know what that so that that was interesting again I, it would have been better to actually hear what they were talking about or maybe to have just some little semblance of of, of mythology that you could have given yeah. to us to have a look at but what i thought was really interesting to look at here and this goes back to everything else we've talked about in this podcast today was that um, when when they when they tell him that he's going to be a part of the cult, mm-hmm. she says, "You will kneel before it like the rest of us. You will kneel before this god like the rest of us." Right. And it, there's it's, a lot. Of, there's a lot of yeah. There. You know, I think as as LGBT people, this is something that we face a lot, um, especially in America, where our 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 very strong Judeo Christian values, you know, really force everybody into being basically like you know a. Like it's you know you, you can't even be like, like like a fun Lutheran going to a potluck. You have right. to be like you know 
You have to be like a Methodist who's like, you know, going well, it's crazy like it, it goes this. back to like, even when you're forced to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Exactly. Uh, even when you're like, it's just, there's all these things that you as a human are forced right. to do, like, and you're not allowed to, yeah. you're not allowed to protest against. Right. And so I think that, that that brought out, I think one of the more interesting parts of the film, Luke Luke's answer to that, when she says, you will kneel before it, like, like the rest of us, he says, I'm not like you. I won't live like this. Nice. And so, honestly, when I, I like heard that. that, instantly, you know who I thought of? I thought of Adam Rippon. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought of. I thought about somebody who said, I'm not going to do this this way. No matter what you say. I'm not going to shake your hand, Mike Pence. I'm not going to bow down to whatever the fuck you think I should bow down to. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. And so, that was interesting. Yeah, you know, sure. That, I thought it was really interesting. I, th- I think, you know, I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to hear from, from the rest of you, especially any of you out there who are also LGBT, or any of you who are also people of faith, I, I would love to hear from you on, on, on our Facebook with any comments that you have. I would love yeah, to hear your Yeah, I definitely want to know like, what you think of this. Absolutely. Now, what did you think of like, the acting? Um, I thought the acting was, was pretty good. You know, uh, Rafe Spall, who plays Luke, he was in the movie Life of Pi, um, which I liked quite I knew a bit. Looked, I knew he looked really familiar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't didn't like Life of Pi. You know, Life of Pi is definitely it's a long movie. Um, I read the book too. I, mm-hmm. th- I thought the book was wonderful. I thought the film was really well done, and I thought Rafe Spall, especially for, yeah. for the type of role that he had in the film, did, did a great job. And I think in this, he he really carried that on. Yeah, I think all the actors did a really good job in this, apart from maybe what is his name, Archer Ali, the guy who plays Phil. Plays Phil. Yeah. I just think they didn't give that character like a lot to do. He yeah. was kind of just there as a disposable body. And I think he had a lot of moments. I think and I think it's because of the writing. Yeah. He had a lot of, like, plateau moments, which, you know, uh, those are hard to play. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, like, play a scene where you, you have to instantly, like, like, go right into, like, being, like, fucking crazy or, yeah. like, being, like, you know, attacked or whatever? Yeah, I just don't think they gave that character enough. Yeah, I think we, I we, we dig into a lot of the other characters, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of, like... I mean, he's the guy they find naked up in the room, like worshiping the statue. But like, we which don't... we 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 didn't mind. Yeah, <laughs> but we I'll, never, like... I'll give you a statue to worship. You know what I mean? Stop Goodness. it. Uh, but we never learn like who he is, what his motivations are. Like really he's kind of just like the extra guy. Which kind of goes back to what we were saying before: is why do we care? Yeah. Like you know, we we definitely care at the start because this friend gets murdered in his liquor store. That Got was it. very well done. Oh, it was so well done, and and it, honestly, like chilling. It was absolutely yeah. chilling to watch. They show. Everything. They show everything. Yeah. But after that, like, you know, the rest of them, yeah, I mean, get it, we're, you're all friends. Like, feel for them. We feel for you, like, you're on this crazy thing and things are happening. Of course we're, we're you know, we, we have that relationship. But I don't know enough about you specifically. To care. To care about you and why you're dying. Yeah, totally. And, and honestly, the, the whole Luke story, I mean, I get it. We, we, I know that this has to be, like, this is, this is obviously his story of redemption. Sure. But, but is he still, redeemed? I don't know. So I anyway, I, I still liked it. I just, I was hoping the first three quarters would really pay off the end, and the end kind of just let me down a little. It, the, the ending of him walking off into the sunset, I thought, honestly, was just, it was just too cheesy. Yeah. All right, so here at Friday the 13th, we've decided that our rating system is going to be based on, hello, the rainbow. rainbow. And there are seven colors in the rainbow, so we're going to do ratings from one to seven. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Yeah, um, I, I can go first. Okay. Um, so I think 
I this is sort of a hard decision because I like I said I love the movie. It's I your just, first review. Be it's careful. Our first review. <laughs> you know I liked it a lot. I, I definitely had some problems with it. You know so. I was I was just one more thing. I was yeah. really happy that this came out on Netflix. I am too. That I did not have to go to the theater to watch mm-hmm. this because if I would have gone to the theater and saw this, I don't know if I would have liked it as much. That's really interesting to think about. And and honestly, as we go forward forward with this podcast and we and we talk about more films. That's something to think about because the whole the whole course of movies and how they get released is changing. Yeah, and it doesn't matter to you, you know, how much you pay for it to go see it in the theater, plus concessions, mm-hmm. plus gas to get there, plus whatever. You know, it's does, like rent. Does it's that, like rent at this point? It honestly, it's for a lot of people unless you have a movie pass. Yeah, which movie pass we would love for you to sponsor us. You know, something like that. Um, so, anyways, my review on this, my final take, my number of stripes for it from the rainbow. I'm going to give this a solid five stripes out of seven. I am right there with you. That's awesome. exactly what I gave it. Um, I think it's a great. I knew you were smart. I, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a great movie for the venue that it's on, yeah. and for how it was released and how it was marketed. I, I just think it's a it's a nice little like Friday night scary movie. Yeah, it's I, nothing I'm I gonna it's nothing I'm gonna revisit a bunch of times, but I still enjoy watching it. Who was the hottest character in this? Oh, definitely. Oh gosh. I think I'm going to have to go Hutch. Oh, I am too. Yeah. Robert James Collier was always smoking hot in Downton Abbey. And now he has like that salt and pepper. Oh yeah, he yeah. is salt and mm-hmm. peppery and he's not all like fancy, like fancy schmancy. Yeah. Like so it's nice to see him get a little uh, gritty, a yeah, little whatever. Yeah, he's like the guy that you would like find in Denver like on the, like, on the snowboard hills. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, like, and, and he's definitely the guy that you want to go camping with. Yeah. Like I'm ready to get in the tent with you. Yeah, exactly. And my tent is small, we have to cuddle. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, um, but I do want to give like a little. I do want to give a little shout out to Luke too because he's pretty cute as well. He is totally cute. He just has a cute little face. And I'll tell you what. The other thing about about Rob James Collier, he slayed and he got slayed, girl. Mm-hmm. Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of our take on the ritual. You can find it on Netflix. Um, and we'll be right back with our last segment, our hottie of the month. Shantae, you stay. All right, and welcome back. Now to close out our show, we're going to do our segment, Hottie of the Month. It's my favorite segment. Ooh. So we're going to do one hottie each from real life and one hottie each from media. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Um, I never mind coming first, so oh. let's just go straight into it. Um, so I have two choices for you. Do you want to hear them both right away? Is this real life or media? So I want to do real life and media at the same time. Do you want them both? No, do you want it at time? Okay, so we're going to start off with my hottie in real life. This will come as no surprise to any of you. Adam Rippon, you win the gold medal this week, baby. You are my hottie in real life. And he's my hottie in real life because he is inspiring, because he is courageous, because he is smoking good looking, and because he's so amazingly talented and such a hard worker. I absolutely love him. And once again, my offer of an engagement completely stands. <laughs> well, I'm already married, so I can't, you know, mm-hmm. like get any of these guys, but I can still look, right? Yes, you can, girl. Um, So, as no surprise, also, my hottie of the month in real life is Gus Kensworthy. What? I mean, mean, look at him. He's he's such good looking. Uh, He's so good looking. Um, His head and shoulders commercial. I mean, those (laughs) shoulders? Come on! Uh, Once again, his Twitter feed, don't forget. Yeah. Um, and him and, and I'm also going to throw a little like separate thing out there for his boyfriend because him and his boyfriend together they look real good. We're talking daddy material, yeah. like daddy. You came to Pyeongchang, 
you are my daddy. Yeah. Like, you are my daddy. Like, yeah. That's really, I just, really good. I'm really inspired that, like, he even competed, given that he broke oh, his yeah. thumb. He, he had some sort of other medical issue that he had to have drained the day before competition. Like, just all of those things, I would have been like, I'm done. I'm good. I, I, I bet he got drained. Oh. So now, talking about, I know. Um, so talking about our hottie in media... I have one for you, and I'm ready to talk about it right now. Sure. I want to hear about Chadwick Boseman in the new Black Panther movie. Oh, interesting. He is interesting. smoking hot. I love this movie right now. I have not had a chance to see it yet because it just came out. I've had a really busy weekend. Did you see the Avengers with Black Panther? I man? did, okay. absolutely, yeah. So you know like kind of like his character. Oh, for sure. And I just think it's, I think it's absolutely wonderful this movie is coming out right now. I love that people of color were all over this movie. Obviously yeah. the actors, but not just them. The producers, the director, everybody. This is a black film. Yeah. And it is smoking hot. And it's so... I, I can't, it's I can't wait really to see good. it. Everyone yeah. loves it. And I just think it, I think it's an important movie for right now. And just like Adam Rippon with us as, as LGBT people... I hope that Black Panther inspires a whole a whole new generation of, of, of African-American kids. I really yeah. do. Um, so my hottie in media is Darren Chris. Oh. Darren Chris on the season of American uh, Crime Story, uh-huh. playing Andrew Cunonan, he is riveting, scary, and really like, he look, he's insane. Yeah, like, he really is. Like, it is scary. Yeah. Like, the way that... Every episode, you're just waiting for him to, like, kill people. And you're yeah. like, oh, my God, this is so, like, you're on your edge of your seat the whole time. Oh, yeah. And he is carrying his performance. Oh, yeah. And, and this should not be called the murder of, uh, of Versace. This should be called the Andrew Cunonan story. I, I totally Because this, you. Versace is just the icing on the cake with this stuff. Oh, yeah. This, it, it's so good. I highly encourage people to watch it. And I think, Darren, Chris, you're headed for Emmy territory. Oh, totally. And, you know, like, for, for, the, for the young girls out there that weren't alive during this story, I mean, I remember when this yeah. all happened. And, like, I lived in Chicago. And that was when Marilyn Miglin's husband got killed by Andrew Cunanan. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, to have this whole story replayed now is really interesting stuff. And Riveting and terrifying. And it does play into the LGBT community because Big they time. didn't catch him because they were just like, well, he's just murdering gay people. Who exactly. cares? Exactly. And I think we've heard that theme over and over and over again in this ridiculous country. Yeah. So that's my hottie in media. And I think that about wraps our show. So if I'm not mistaken, this is our first yes, episode of Fry Gay. The 13th. Thank you very much. And what we want to encourage is that you go onto iTunes, not only subscribe, but also just like leave us a little review. Please. I think what we're going to do in the future is we're going to take all those people that give us reviews, put you in a little bag, and like shake it up, pick one out, and maybe mm-hmm. send you a little prize. Yeah, like, and, and those of you that don't get prizes, I'm going to put your names on my wall, and I'm going to worship you every morning. Yes. Like I'm going like, to like sing a hymn to you, I'm going to like... You know, put laurels you'll have, at to, your you'll have to share that hymn with us someday. Yeah, oh, I absolutely yeah. will. I'll sing it for you. Um, but yeah, we, we need your reviews because we need you. Yeah. Um, and we want to get this podcast out there. Yeah, so if anything you can do to help us get out there. Absolutely. You know, we only we have such a, a, a localized friend group, you know, and they're all great. But if you wouldn't just take a little bit of your time just to share, mm-hmm. like, comment, be a part of our community. Yeah. We really want to encourage, um, you know, everyone communicating together. And we will say to the haters out there, we're going to delete your comments. We're going to ban you from oh, our God, page. Yeah. Because guess what? This is our 
this is our thing, and we get to cultivate it the way we want. And listen, you do not want to come after this bitch. Right. Like, let's just put that out there yeah. right now. Like, totally. I will read you to filth every day. I will drag you to hell. Yeah. So don't even, try it all you want, but we will delete you. Yeah, we have exactly. no problem. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much to my co-host. Oh, thank you. Thank you to you, honey. This was really a lot of fun. And also, thank you to our producer, Michael. Yeah. If you didn't hear him, he just said, woo. Uh, Michael's done a great job of keeping us informed and keeping us moving throughout the podcast and helping us, just giving us some tips and, and everything. It's, we can't do it without Michael, so thank you very much. Um, and I do want to um, overemphasize that, you know, uh, we are going to be going into a different territory after this. Um, we're going to talk about the school shooting. So um, you can either stop here, and this is kind of going to be the format normally for our podcast, mm-hmm. or if you'd like to listen... Um, we're going to go into a little bit about the school shooting and overall gun violence. So, But, but we, we hope that you'll stay with us. Yeah, this for is sure. a really important topic. Yeah. So um, we'll see you in just a few yeah, moments. Yeah, we'll see you in a few. Thanks a lot. People are going to keep saying, oh, this is just another shooting. It's never going to happen to me. But what happens is when you don't take action, things like this eventually will happen to you. And that's not acceptable. And that's why I call on people to stand up. Talk to the congressman. Talk to people and don't stop fighting because children will continue to die if we don't take a stand now. What we really need is action because we can say, yes, we're going to do all these things, thoughts and prayers. What we need more than that is action. Please. This is the 18th one this year. That's unacceptable. We're children. You guys like, are the adults. You need to take some action and play a role. Work together, come over your politics, and get something done. All right. Welcome back to Friday the 13th. Um, this is a special segment where we're going to be discussing the Stoneman Douglas uh, shoot school shooting in Parkland, Florida. Um, this just happened uh, last Valentine's Day, so February the 14th, 2018, uh, where 17 people were killed um, by a, I, I guess a man, 19 is a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing, but welding, yes. welding a Wielding a AR-15 um, into a high school. So, um, Maddie, uh, do you want to just open up with kind of, I mean, we're obviously we have condolences and... Oh my God, of course. You know, I, I think, you know, the, uh, you know, if there's, if there's any sort of horror in real life that we never want to see, it's, it's when our kids get killed. Yeah. Um, because, or to not feel safe. Or to not feel safe in any, in any way possible. And that, and that, that's what really occurred there. And, um, you know... Life shouldn't be a horror movie, and for a lot of families, we are not even for a lot of families, for for an entire city, um, that's what it turned into. Last an entire week. country, an entire country, and you know what, an entire world. Let's not let's not forget this is what the nineteenth shooting in twenty eighteen. Exactly. I so, mean, it's it's uh, it's it's the eighteenth school shooting so far yeah. in in twenty eighteen, which is just beyond comprehension. And if my numbers are correct, and they're probably not, I believe this is like the two hundred and like eightieth school gosh. shooting since twenty thirteen. I'm pretty sure, um, which is just a staggering number. Um, and you know, there oh, there are so many takes on this, and we're all yelling at each other, and yeah. there and there are so many stances being taken, and there are so many principles on on the line. It's 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 a really confusing place to find ourselves as a country. I think yeah, but I think like what we really need to re- remember is that. When we're talking about this, this is the loss of human life. Oh, without a doubt. This is this is not just someone that you you know look at on TV or someone you know a character in a movie. This is your brothers and sisters. Yeah. This is 
your moms and dads. These are the people that you could lose at any moment. And I think what we have to remember is to always keep that in mind. These are not fictional people, fictional characters. These are actual human lives being lost. This is real. Yeah. And and it's, it's, when you go over the timeline of a day, um, which I've, I've read a few articles either from New York Times or, or Chicago Tribune did a good one. Vox has had some really great coverage of, of the entire incident. Um, you really do see the the sort of mundane aspects of it all that really do just chill you to the bone. I mean, what, what, this, what this very young man did, 19 years old, he took an Uber from his house to the school where oh he had gosh, also... I did not know that. Yeah, he did, where he had also been suspended. Um, the house where he was staying was uh, the, the house that belonged to his friend's family. Um, this friend took him in after his mother died last year. The mother died from pneumonia. Uh, the mother was an adopted mother. Nicholas Cruz had, had a pretty uh, bumpy life on the way. His adoptive parents both died. Mm-hmm. He, 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 it seems as though he probably has some attachment issues amongst a, a whole host of other mental, mental health issues. There's, there was a report today that he may also have had a fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a whole lot of things that, that happened to this kid that never got rectified. And suddenly now we find him to be a mass murderer. Right. And so he left the house that day. And on his way there, uh, his friend that lived with him at the house, he texted his friend. You know where his friend was? At school. He oh. was at Stoneman Douglas School. And he was asking what room he was in. And just before he got out of the car, he texted him and he said, Yo... He got out of the car, and this was right about when school was about to be dismissed, got out of the car, went into the school, pulled the fire alarm, got all the kids out in the hallway, well, a lot of them anyway, shot them up. When he couldn't do any more of those, he went classroom to classroom, breaking the windows and shooting inside. There are uh, some videos that were taken because, remember, I mean, it's it's not like when, when I was a kid. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, 35. we're living in the day and age of iPhones right. and camera phones. And, and like... every every teenager, without a doubt, has either an Android or an iPhone or an iPad or, or something. Something to take video with. The videos that were taken that day Chilling. are absolutely terrifying. There's there's one that is very widely released right now. Even CNN had it on, on in its coverage of, uh, of basically just you know shooting into the classroom, which it, which in itself is absolutely terrifying. Don't get me wrong. There's another video that I watched where the kids are all huddled, sort of close to the blackboard side of the room, and the angle that this child has with his with his phone camera, he he's looking out, and you just see a pair of legs laying out there, and it's and the police are in there trying to evacuate people and everything else. It's not until the children leave the room that that kid points that camera around. And you can see the entire dead body of somebody that was shot by this kid. Now, I think there are some people out there who think that it is crass to keep posting those. It's crass to keep sharing those. I really believe differently. I think that everyone in this country should watch those videos. Because we have become so desensitized to gun violence in this country. It is out of control. And we need to see what the effects of guns are. Mm -hmm. The only effect of a gun is to destroy. Yep. That's what it does. It destroys either an object or a, or a body or, or whatever else. And this gun is serious. And yeah, AR, it's meant for violence. Yeah, it's meant, it's meant for violence. And, it, and it's a, it's a military-grade weapon. It's called the AR-15. And it is incomprehensible that a child that can't even buy a damn Miller Lite in Florida was able to buy an AR-15 that shoots as fast as you can pull that damn trigger. Right. Yeah, I just think that, like... I think we really have to get our eyes open. 
because this is only getting worse. Mm-hmm. And we continue, and I know that this is a, a hot topic, but we continue just to throw thoughts and prayers at this thing, thinking, mm-hmm. you know, God will for, God will figure it out. No, we have to figure it out. Yeah. And we got to do something. You know, I, I'm not going to say I'm a politician and this is the way it should go. I'm just encouraging having the, the conversation. We, we have to. I, I think that another part of this conversation that, that we really do need to have, that I think people are maybe a little of afraid to tread the water, um, is that this kid was also a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. He was trained uh, with a group called the Republic of Florida. Uh, I think they're up by Tallahassee. Which is so. essentially like a militia, right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's sort of like a Michigan militia type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and I grew up in Michigan. I know it, all about you know the Michigan about militia, that. yeah. And what I think is different about them, though, is that this group is unapologetically white supremacist. Yeah. So that 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 is what they are advocating It's a holdover from old Southern oh, big like, thinking. This is you know this is the part of Florida that ain't Mickey Mouse, folks. And if, if you haven't been to Florida in a long time, you really got to remember, like, this is where those people live. Yeah. Like, this is it. I, I remember distinctly being in Florida uh, two years ago and driving down the highway and seeing, without a doubt, the largest Confederate flag. And I mean, by large, it's as big as a damn house. Yeah. It was right on the side of the road. And all you can think as you go past something like that is, God, what are black kids going by this damn Confederate flag thinking? How are right. they feeling? And so this is what we need to talk about right now is that violence is a part of this country's history. Of course, It yeah. is written it's, into our DNA as Americans. It's how we were founded. It's oh, how we grew. Right. It's how we separated. It's, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when we're looking at this child, this, this young man who was trained with white supremacists going into a, uh, going into a school and, and indeed harming people of color, like he went there with a purpose. It was a premeditated purpose to go and wreak havoc and to cause discord, to sow discord, and to and to kill people. There was a, a private chat that he was a part of in Instagram, I believe. Uh, CNN uh, made their one of their reporters was was able to get into he that like in, into that it. chat. I don't think he had. I think or he I think, like got accepted. Into I think it. he got accepted. I think like, I think he like just legitimately asked or she uh, to uh, to be a part of the chat. Sure. He got in and he asked. They asked. I should stop saying gender here. They asked questions um, and just tried to find out more. But they were able to see what Nicholas Cruz had said. And he said that he hated Jews. He said that he hated black people. He said that he hated, he said he hated Arabic people. Uh, he said that he absolutely wanted to shoot gay people in the back of the head. Oh I mean, this kid was beyond disturbed. He was ready to blow at any minute. So let's, let's kind of tackle um, some of the main arguments that we've been seeing in the wake of something like this. Sure. So I think the one that I probably see the most often is this isn't a gun issue. This is a mental health issue. Goodness gracious. So I, I agree there is a mental health aspect to this. Sure. But I also agree that we shouldn't give those people... And let me, let me just say something really quick about the mental health community. Uh-huh. We are not attacking you. We are with you. And we want you to get the help that you need. Yeah. And, and we want you to live your lives just as much as we live our lives. Well, and, and not only that, but I mean, you're, you're talking to someone right now right. Who, has, who has mental health issues. I just so. want to make sure that we don't demonize people oh, with mental God, health yes. issues. And, because I think that's what we're doing. Well, and that's just the thing, is that's what the right is doing right yeah. now. Because, okay, mental health issue... But this kid had mental health right. issues, and he slipped through the cracks over and over and over again because there was well, no help for him. Right. Well, and it really comes down to, so you're basically telling me this is a mental health issue. 
but then you're also taking away health care from people. So how are they supposed to get that help that they need? I mean, it was easier for this kid to go buy an AR-15 than to go to a therapist. Right. And that should, should chill us to the bone. And bottom. I also think we, just because it's another, you know, it's another aspect of the issue, that does not mean that we should give them easier access to being able to kill multiple people. Exactly. I mean... I, I, I agree with you entirely on this. I, I think that as, as a country, we're constantly looking for a cop-out. Yeah. A bit for an easy way out. And, and, you know, the same people who are saying, oh, well, it's not a gun issue, it's a mental health issue, are the same people who will turn around and go, well, this kid is just evil. Well, it, it, you, you can't use evil as an argument. That, that, right. That's not fair. Because evil is entirely uh, relative to anybody. And it's what's subjective. evil to me, yeah. it's subjective. Yeah. You know, it's it's you know, it, what's evil to me is not evil to you. What's evil to them is not evil to me. It, it, that is just a throwaway. Because in the battle of good and evil, no one's ever going to win. Right. That's just human nature. You don't know what evil is. We don't even know if evil exists. So yeah. that that's that's not a fair argument. If we want to talk about mental health issues, even with even with conservative folks, which I encourage, that's I encourage fine. We have a discussion about mental health issues. That's great. I think mental health mental health parity and getting treatment for mental health is absolutely important. And I wish that that were that were the case in this country. And I wish it was accessible for everyone. Absolutely, because it's it's very expensive. It's not. Yeah. And so you know we we get it. That is an important part of this. But the other part of this is guns. Yeah. And America has more guns than any other country. Right. So this is not just about a, an uptick in violence because people are crazier these days. It's because we have more guns. Well, and we we have made this a culture of being obsessed with guns. Absolutely. Like we are just obsessed with being able to destroy. Mm-hmm. Like whether that comes in the form of war, whether that comes mm-hmm. in the form of wanting to shoot things in your backyard? Yep. Why are we so obsessed with wanting to destroy? Sure. I mean, like, you know, and, it. And, 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 you know, for our audience out there, we've said this before, but, you know, we live in Chicago. Yeah. Chicago is a very violent city. And there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of uh, false, falsehoods being spread out there by, by, by the right that we have the strictest gun laws in the country and, and look, look how look how good our laws are doing well, for Chicago. Well, it, it doesn't really matter when we're, you know, 45 minutes from either border of Indiana or Wisconsin where you can easily get a gun. Exactly. So, I'm sorry, that's not, a, that's not, right. you can't or, say that. Or, frankly, <laughs> where, where white folks in either of those states buy those guns at gun shows right. and then pass them on and sell them to people here in the city for a big, huge profit. Right. So, it's easy to get a gun here. We do have strict gun laws, but those gun laws don't matter when you when you have these guns coming in from all over the place. Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. And you know, when we a typical weekend in Chicago when it's warm out, you're going to see not just like single digits dead, you're going to see double digits dead. Especially in the summer, if you've never been here before, it is crazy. The city becomes every alive. weekend, and you know, and we're lucky. We, you know, we we live on the north side, which is fairly non-violent. There are some shootings up here. But if you live on the south or west side and you're a child, you are living your life in fear quite often. Yeah. I mean, it's it's absolutely, it's heartbreaking. And I only mention Chicago because it's not like we haven't had a gun crisis going on in this country right. for years. So it's not just one school shooting. It's not just a, a bunch of school shootings. It's every day in America. Yeah, it's a culture now. It's a, it's a culture. And, you know, the, the gun industry makes so much money off of this so much money that it, it's 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 almost beyond comprehension the billions of dollars that they are able to make off of this all the time 
And sorry, listeners, uh, the Chicago radiator seems to want to be going off right now. So. You know what? Is, is that a radiator or is that my ghost? Yeah. Um, no, but, I mean, but, but seriously, I mean, this is, this is a problem in this country. For sure. And we need to find we need to find a solution. And I, you know, I think what I think really like what we need to really reach down deep and understand is what's more important: is a gun more important, or is the loss of life more important? And you know, I, I love this term of responsible gun owner, but you know what? Do you need that gun? Exactly. Do you need it? Do you need it to live? Because these people are losing their lives because you need this gun. And I, 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 I'm just not buying the argument that people do anymore. You know, like, like I said, uh, well, what I hope you know is that, is that on this show, we're always going to take stances that we really believe in. And, you know, sometimes Andrew and I ourselves might disagree. Uh, oh, we, and do, some, we do like, quite often. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes we, you might disagree with us. And that's, that's totally fine. Um, but when it comes to these things, we really need to start taking stands on, on what we actually believe. And so what, what, what I personally believe is we just, we just don't need guns. We just don't need them. And, and I don't understand why people are valuing their, their supposed right to a gun over the lives of children. And, you know, I look at it that way because both sides of this issue have failed to protect children. Mm-hmm. And, and you know why we know they failed? Because it's still happening. Because it just happened last week. Yeah. And so, you know, bravo to those kids at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, those brave and courageous kids that have survived this. A tragedy. A tragedy. That, that, that this is going to change the course of their lives. Like, it, it's going to affect generations yeah. upon generations. And, and these kids are standing up now, and they are saying, you know what? We're going to be the last school shooting ever. And people are asking them why. And they're saying, loudly and proudly, because we're going to make it that way. Yeah, and so uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but on March twenty fourth, so just next month, the kids are actually organizing their own march on Washington, Good for them. Good and for I believe them. it's called March for Our Lives, um, and it's going to be sort of a walkout kind of thing, which I think is is absolutely awesome, um, and and I think it's going to be something different for politicians because they've never faced a, a march on Washington by children, right? Ever, as far as I know. Um, they've faced it from the LGBT community. They've faced it from Native Americans. They've faced it from women, women of course. Yeah. Um, but from children like this, I don't think ever. And, and I don't know any politician that could possibly commit political suicide by telling these kids that just went through this atrocity that they're wrong. Yeah, or to go home. Or to go home. Like, I'm, who on earth could you possibly be to do that? Paul Ryan, probably. Paul Ryan. <laughs> you know, Paul Ryan's really interesting. You know, if, if you watch MSNBC this week... Then you definitely saw Paul Ryan, um, you, well, you saw a little segment about Paul Ryan, and about how after every school shooting, he says basically the same thing. Yeah, that we and, shouldn't have a knee-jerk reaction, yeah. my thoughts and prayers are with them. It, you know, if there was ever a time to have a knee-jerk reaction, it's now. this is now. Like, oh, yeah. this, it, when we are reacting to tragedy is when the most change will happen completely agree with you. I mean, you. just think about all the things that have been outlawed because of one thing happening. One guy brought a bomb onto a plane in a shoe. Yep. Guess what? We all have to take our shoes off now. One kid got killed by lawn darts way back when. In the 80s, What, yeah. what, what got banned? Lawn, lawn darts. darts. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's... I just don't understand how we can't really, like, reach this understanding of, like, what's really going on here. And, you know, it's... it's... It, it, it's it, it shouldn't surprise us at all, right? Yeah, as, especially as LGBT people. You know, last, last well, in 2016, when um, the the massacre happened at Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, um, also in Florida, by the way, um, 
when that occurred, I, re- I, I was affected very deeply by it. Um, I, w- I was with somebody then who was actually from Orlando. I, I had been to Pulse. Yeah, I, you, you, know, you, you I, had been I, to I Pulse. Been um, you know, that was really hard because we knew that that, that could have happened in, in any gay bar across the country. I mean, just think of any typical Saturday night in your right. 20s where you're out with your friends. Sure. You kn- this could have happened anywhere. Mm-hmm. Because we've let it, exactly. we've let it get to this point where it could literally right. happen anywhere, anytime. And, and Movie then, theaters, oh, supermarkets, nowhere safe anymore. And, and even elementary schools. Right. And, and, that, and that's the thing is that you know when we saw Pulse happen, I remember thinking to myself because as you folks know, I'm really into LGBT advocacy and I try to do a lot of work wherever I can. I remember thinking this. This could be something that actually changes things for us, for our community. We hoped. We hoped. Maybe seeing the bodies of, I can't remember how many died right now, but like I feel 50 it's like about, about yeah. 50 people. Maybe seeing the bodies of 50 gay people, 50 LGBT people, I should say, pardon me on that, 50 queer people dead on a dance floor, that might change something. And it didn't. Yeah. Maybe seeing the bodies of 20 elementary school students. Hello, Sandy Hook. In Sandy Hook, maybe that will change something. Didn't. Didn't. Maybe seeing the bodies of over, of almost 60, 60 people at a country music festival in Las Vegas, dead on the ground, maybe that will change something. Didn't. Didn't. And so now we're faced with the latest, which is 17 dead people at a high school, 14 of them students, three of them faculty and staff. Maybe that will change something? I think we need to really prepare ourselves. Yeah. For either a yes or no there. And you know, of course, my biggest hope is that this is going to this this will be the last one. This will change something. But I I also cautiously have to say, like, we need to we need we need to be prepared for this also to fail. Mm-hmm. And that is terrifying, but it's also I think necessary to yeah. think about because eventually, um, you know, it's 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 America over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually we're going to have to find our way through this. And if we fail at this one, we're going to have to find a way through. But it is also definitely the first time that we're seeing kids take the lead on something like this. And Future voters. It's just, it's it's incredible. And, you know, you're, you're watching these kids mm-hmm. on TV um, who, who this, just, this just happened. Yeah. And these incredibly articulate and elegant children. And brave. And brave. Who just lost their friends, who who themselves probably saw the shooter doing the shooting, they're out there already talking. Yeah. They have a courage that the rest of us don't. Yeah. I don't know if I would be able to do it. I mean, my God almighty. These, these kids I, I've have... barely been able to get through this. Okay. Oh, like, I, I keep getting tears in my eyes every single like every five minutes. Yeah, I mean, how how can you not? Yeah. Because it's 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 just absolutely insane what these kids have had to go through. And at such a young age, I mean, this is not something that you would want an adult to go through, but now it's happening to kids. To kids! Exactly. Like, it's just so disheartening, and just, when are we going to wake up? When are we going to wake up and understand that this isn't ending the way that we're doing things now? There's a change that needs to happen, and we need to really think about what that change needs to be, and then we need to put it into action. Because if we just keep thoughts and prayers in our hearts, it's not going to do anything. It won't do anything. You know, it's... And, you know, I would encourage everyone to, you know, write their local senators, write their, you know, local politicians, all all of them. And even on the local level, too. Yeah. I mean, every little bit is going to help push the needle in the right direction. 
And I would encourage you all to take a stand and to make sure that your voice is heard. You know, whether that's trying to sway your family and friends on Facebook or whether that's calling your politicians or whether that's, you know, doing whatever you can do. It's all the... Nobody should tell you what is right for you to do. Sure. You do you, and we'll all come together to form a larger group of positive thinkers. And, and I, I do I, would, I want to say one more thing on that sure. level, too, because, you know, we I know we have listeners back from our hometowns, back from where, where we're from, where guns are a lot more popular than, oh, than yeah. they are in Chicago. Oh, yeah. And I just want to, I want to talk directly to you right now, and I want to say I know that we disagree on this. I know that I have a much, I have a hard line that is the exact opposite of yours, all I'm asking you to do is just think about the children that died. I want you to think about the parents and the funerals that they are about to go through. And then I want you to actually think about whether you would have the courage to go to those parents and tell them to their face that you need these guns. Mm-hmm. You think about that. I really mean this. And I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm not trying to degrade you. And honestly, I'm saying think about that. Would you grade, have that courage? Military-grade guns. And Come on. Exactly. Why do you need that? No one does. You don't. And I also want to point out, um, this might be a good place for us to close on this. Sure. Um, thinking about what uh, President Obama had to say after the Sandy Hook uh, massacre in Connecticut. I'd love to hear it. Uh, and he, he gave a speech that was um, it was really incredible. I, I remember watching that live when it happened. And if you, if you watch it too, you might remember him uh, tearing up throughout the entire thing. Um, and in the course of the speech, he said this. This is our first task, caring for our children. It's our first job. If we don't get that right, we don't get anything right. That's how, as a society, we will be judged. And by that measure, can we truly say as a nation that we are meeting our obligations? Can we honestly say that we're not doing enough to keep our children, all of them, safe from harm? Can we claim as a nation that we're all together there, letting them know that they are loved and teaching them to love in return. Can we say that we're truly doing enough to give all the children of this country the chance they deserve to live out their lives in happiness and with purpose? We're not doing enough, and we will have to change. And I'll tell you, years later, those words still ring true. Absolutely. And President Trump, I know you'll never listen to our podcast. (laughs) I, I, I hope one day you do. But I'll tell you this, if you don't get it right, if you don't start to think in a different way about this, the blood, it's on your hands. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we'll end things. Absolutely. Um, we want to say thank you so, so much to all of our great listeners that for taking the time to listen to our opinions and listen to, you know, just us talk about things and just really like get it out there. Um, we encourage you once again to find us on iTunes, subscribe, leave us a review, all that good stuff. Um, but you know, I think what we, what we really, really want to say is thank you so, so much. Um, you know, we're just two little gay guys that live in Chicago and it's really awesome that, um, we're able to do this kind of thing. And by the way, one more thing too, remember we do have a Facebook page, please like us there. Yeah. Any comments that you have about anything, feel free to leave them. We would love to read them. If you have any more messages that you want to send to us, you can either message us on Facebook or you can also email us at frygay13, that's frygay13, at gmail.com. So feel free to send us any messages that you have. Yeah, and if we, I think them. if we get, if we get um, reviews and emails in the future, we'll definitely read them on, on the show. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
any ideas that you have, or if you have movies that you really want us to have a look Absolutely. at, we'd, we'd love to talk about it. Yeah. So, so, folks, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun journey for everyone. We hope you had fun, and we hope that you, you know, not just fun, but we hope, we hope that you really enjoyed engaging with us on some of these really tough issues and some of these fun issues, too. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great night.